Hello F1 fans and welcome to F1 On and Off the Track with Kim Illman. You can see his photos at ProStarPicks.com or read his latest F1 blog at KimIllman.com. My name is Adrian and in this episode we're talking about the event that happened over the weekend. It was the Bahrain Grand Prix. How'd you find your time in Bahrain, Kim? Well, thankfully it wasn't stinking hot. Uh, Sunday race day, very windy. Mm. Um, I come from Perth, which is a windy city, and so for me to say it was very windy, it was uh, quite savage, and God knows what it was like actually driving those cars, because mm. the wind would have uh, given them a fair buffeting. Yeah, I heard there was also a bit of rain. Yeah, there was, and I didn't take any of my wet weather gear, uh, because I thought, well, hey, it's in the desert, what chance of rain? But they had rain the day before I got there, and they had a little bit of rain on the uh, Saturday night, but it didn't affect anything. Okay. We'll move on straight to the most exciting thing I think that happened uh, from your perspective is that David Beckham was all around the races. Yeah, for, forget the F1 <laughs> and the drivers. It was David Beckham. Uh, I was I was going down just prior to the, the race and the grid. I thought I'll head down to the pits and I'll take a shot of the cars coming out, going down pit lane. So I was on my way there. And then I saw a few photographers just hanging around the front of the Ferrari garage and I thought, oh, well, they're prepping for something. I'll go and have a quick look on my way. And I get there and within a minute or so, I hear this, oh, here's David now. And I turn around and it's David Beckham. Oh, my God, he's an amazing fellow. And I've always loved him. Um, He's just a cool-looking guy, a real English gentleman. Hmm. Decked out beautifully, had a, a thin sports jacket, a creamy sports jacket. And I stood... 50 centimetres from him and I was shooting the back of his head and all his tattoos and then he proceeded to, to go around the Ferrari garage and individually say hello to all the mechanics oh, and cool. uh, he was with Gerhard Berger for a while, he was the guest of the Crown Prince so I followed him and took many shots and then he went for a wander out down the pit lane so I followed him again one of my good friends uh, Mark Sutton who was uh, one of the legends of Formula 1 photography mm. doing his 501st race yeah. he uh, he got so excited he had to have a selfie with the great man, although I couldn't bring myself to do it. I've only ever had one selfie, and that was with Daniel Ricciardo when I got caught up in a moment at the end of his career with Red Bull last year. But, yeah, a real thrill to to catch him there and and also again out on the grid. But he was very popular, but very chatty, gentlemanly, um, just great to be in his company. Excellent. That sounds like a really cool experience. Yeah, in fact, I was photographing out on the grid too, Catherine Zeta-Jones, who I must admit, I had no idea who she was, and I'm taking photos because <laughs> there's 20 other blokes doing yeah. it. And then I said to someone, who's that? That's Catherine Zeta-Jones. Oh, okay, it's Michael Douglas's wife, is it not? I think so, because um, she was there with uh, a guest of one of the teams. Okay. Well, after David Beckham, I'd say the second most important person on that day was Charles Leclerc. He had a stunning performance, although didn't quite make it in the end. What was it like shooting him throughout the day? Because I imagine there's quite a bit of emotions going on there. Yeah, it was. And um, if I can take us back to qualifying, where he qualified on pole position, Mm. uh, in his 23rd race, he manages to snare the number one spot on the grid. So I I went up to the press conference afterwards and I was expecting him to be buoyant and uh, upbeat and really jolly and laughing and carrying on. But he wasn't. He was very reserved. He grinned a couple of times, but never did he let out a huge, big smile. Mm. He must have internally been going ballistic, I think, because a kid of his age, to be able to get an accolade like that, was pretty impressive. So um, come race day, normally, I'll step it back a bit, Sebastian Vettel, I was shooting him in the uh, paddock, and there was about four or five of us around, and then we saw Charles walk behind, and all four of us left. To follow Charles. <laughs> now, it's not very often that people would leave Sebastian to chase somebody else. So I figured at that point, yeah, his um, 
his stocks are on the rise. Yeah. So come uh, uh, the grid, he's parked his car on the grid and he gets out. And last race, and this is the first time I've really noticed it, he just sits on the side on the grass and just back up against the rail and just waits. Now, he did that last race and there were four or five photographers around him and um, they'd come and go. This time, there was 20 to 30 and it was a huge throng and they were all gravitating towards him and I thought, he can't possibly keep doing this because there's no <laughs> peace for the poor kid. Yeah. Um, they're over, we're over his head, we're around the side. He's got about a metre and a half around him of, of nothing but then there's just this number of cameramen and women and photographers. So, yeah, he was very much in demand and, of course, Starting on pole, you'd expect him to have a pretty good chance. It looked like he was going to have a win. It was all very exciting. Yeah. And then I was in the media centre getting ready to go out and shoot Park Ferme. And uh, he's been overtaken by Lewis. I thought, oh, my heart sank for him. Yeah, that's unfortunate. But he still did a stunning performance over the weekend. Yeah, it's not very often, I guess, that you'd end up third on the podium for your first ever podium and be unhappy about it. Yeah. And speaking of Park Ferme, how was the atmosphere after the after the race was done? Yeah, I, I got in early, so I got myself a good spot on the rail, and uh, I followed all three drivers as they got out of the car. And what I did note was Lewis normally he jumps jumps out, makes a bit of a scene, Yahoo, whatever, jumps over and hugs his crew. But he jumped straight off the car and he went backwards, mm. and he went back to find Charles, and gave him a, a little hug and had a chat, and it was a really lovely thing to mm. see. Uh, and also Sebastian. Um, maybe a couple of minutes before or after, I can't remember, was also over there just having a chat with him, patting him on the shoulder, giving him a hug. And uh, I took some beautiful photos of that and I was so happy that I was down on that front row so I could get great shots. And in fact, Charles put one up on his Instagram page, which I think had about a quarter of a million likes on. So, uh, yeah, I was happy to see that um, that picture on his page. Yeah, it seems like he was impressed yeah. with that with that moment as well. Yeah, and I think it's a, it's a great grounding thing for him that he hasn't walked straight into his first win. Uh, he'll, he'll be, I guess, forgetting about that by Wednesday of this week and then he'll be focusing on China. Yeah, trying to, trying to get first position there. Yep. Talking about the race, I believe you started on turn one. How did you kind of progress for the rest of the day after that? Yeah, I, uh, I started just prior to turn one and caught them coming past me and uh, it's always a buzz when... 20 cars come past you at that <laughs> speed and I hung around there for about 10 laps. Then I went around to turn two, did a little bit and then I uh, walked out to the top of the tower and had a crack. It was so bloody windy up there uh, that I thought, no, nah, this is not enjoyable. And with a 600mm lens, it's huge and, mm. and the wind buffets it and uh, it just wasn't pleasant shooting. So okay. in the end, I went back early to the media centre and then just queued up for Park Ferme because that's where I saw, saw the money shots being, the stuff that would sell. And uh, yeah, I think I was right in doing that. Yeah, smart decision there. We talked about this last week that Bahrain has like beautiful fairy lights and, uh, you know, the Falcons and a lot of stunning... Mm-hmm. This paddock just looks very beautiful in general. Best in the best in the uh, 21 races by far. So how was it shooting that? I saw some beautiful like lasers going off, and um... they do it well, and they certainly spend the money. But there was no one there. Like no. I went out um, on the Friday, and I shot some stuff both uh, in the afternoon and the evening, and the evening stuff where you, you do slow shots of maybe a thirtieth or fifteenth of a second, and the lights that are normally a, a rectangle become these long lines mm. and look really beautiful if you can uh, get the car sharp, and. Uh, then, of course, you come back into the paddock and all the, the fairy lights are on. You shoot the, the drivers with lovely golden lights in the background. Mm. Um, there was a photo with Lando Norris that was absolutely stunning. Yeah, it was. Nice pick. And um, you get the TV lights illuminate the driver's face. Mm. Uh, and then you get the lights in the background or foreground if you can work them in. 
But what surprised me on the Friday was there'd be sections of the stands where there maybe 250-seat sections, two, three people in them, 12, really? 20. Yeah, it's just amazing that yeah. nobody goes. And the weather was perfect, so there's no excuse for, for not going because it's too darn hot. So, uh, yeah, e- even on race day in the main pit straight, there were lots of empty seats. But on television, it was a great race. And in fact, my, my youngest son, Jace, he was uh, so pumped to have a chat with me when I got back <laughs> about what had gone on. Because you've got to understand, when we're out there, we don't know what's going on a lot of the times. Uh, yeah, we've probably got an idea of the first three, but after that, you just don't keep track of it. And then no. um, uh, you don't realise sometimes for a day what's actually gone <laughs> on. But it was a very exciting race and yeah. great for the sport. Yeah. You obviously like to get up and close with the drivers and the personalities around F1. Um, I saw that uh, Nico Hulkenberg played a bit of a prank on you. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, he's a funny guy. Uh, Oftentimes he'll do funny stuff because another photograph I saw this weekend, he walked in with his media pass in front of his face or his identity badge in front of his face and he's often walked in with a cap in front of his face but I was down ready to get him walking up the stairs to the hospitality suite. So I'm down on my knee and I can see him at a... With my eyes, so I put the camera up to my face, expecting him to come, and I'm waiting and I'm waiting, and I can see him on the edge of the frame. So I take a shot of him and think, What's he doing? So I pull the camera away, and the moment I pull the camera away, he runs up the stairs and laughs. (laughs) So uh, I got some quick shots of his full body, but he was too close to the camera. So yeah, I I admire his sense of humour, and he's not your typical staid driver because a lot of them are are quite proper. but he, he doesn't mind having a laugh. He and Daniel are the two characters in the uh, in the 20 lineup. Do a lot of the drivers have uh, these moments where they challenge the photographers, so to speak? No. Uh, Lewis is always a challenge because he often mm. looks away. Uh, but there was one, one point where I caught him riding his uh, scooter towards a group of us and he was smiling. And I thought, oh, that's great. Maybe he's uh, feeling good today and we're all getting a bonus. But I think his photographer was standing behind me. So hence, oh, okay. uh, I was not seeing what was going on behind with his photographer, who's a, a pretty good fella. Um, he's got a half a million followers, Paul Ripke. And Paul's now got a deal with um, Mercedes, where he's coming on board as a permanent team member of theirs. F1 on and off the track is presented by ProStarPix.com. Stunning F1 photos live from the track, searchable and downloadable for personal or editorial use. Head to ProStarPix.com at the end of this podcast. Speaking of Lewis, you got a photo of his like cornrows in the hair and I heard something about that affects his helmet. Yeah, somebody asked on Instagram when I put that picture up, isn't that uncomfortable, which is something that had gone through my mind and... Uh, I thought, oh, I'll ask Angela, his physio, and she mentioned the fact that, yes, they need to do some sort of uh, work inside the helmet to allow for that particular hairstyle. So I gather he has a separate helmet for the days that he wears that particular hairstyle. That's interesting. Two different helmets depending on your hairstyle. Uh, they have many helmets. They bring out all sorts of stuff. They'll often change the logos on them and um, bell helmets, Arai. Um, there's a couple of others too that provide helmets in the um, pit lane but these blokes are just down there all the time uh, providing helmets that's very interesting speaking of your Instagram you had kind of a big bump over the weekend going from like 7,000 to almost 9,000 and I was going through your photos and there were some questions from uh, some of the users there and I wanted to Mm -hmm. put them to you now what struck your uh, what stuck out in terms of photos? No, in terms of uh, the, oh. the comments. Because I read most of them, almost all of them, and uh, I'm always happy to hear what people think because you get a rough idea of what people think. But, yeah, it's, it's great getting that feedback, and it's instant. 
I thought I'd point out some specific ones that I think would be interesting to hear on the podcast. An example is the Spade Station asked, uh, what's your like schedule for different GP venues? It'd be interesting to know. Do you guys also reach the venue around midweek? I get there... Uh, we start Thursday through to Sunday mm. um, and go through to Sunday, but sometimes I'll go on the Wednesday afternoon, but almost always it's a Thursday morning early start. Uh, race day's the easiest day. That, that's... Um, More straightforward? Yeah, because fr- Friday's always the hardest day with two 90-minute sessions, uh, and there's a lot of editing to do in between, and you just don't get any time to relax. It's, all, it's just full on. It is. And I've got a company where I employ 60 staff. And quite frankly, I, I don't put in as much effort in this company at messages on hold as I do out on the track. <laughs> well, how do you fit in like lunch? Like I obviously, and also things like media center. You talk about how you've always got to duck to your media center. Yes. Do you time that in a specific yeah. way? Or um, is it just kind of, oh, I'm full now, got to well, go back? Well, let's, let's do Friday because that is the busiest day. Come in, set up. Uh, let's say it's a, in this particular race, it's a lunchtime arrival because we, we go through it all about 10 o'clock. Uh, I'll have lunch probably straight away as soon as I get there. Then I'll go and shoot drivers arriving, what's happening in the paddock until about an hour before the first session. Then I'll go back and edit for about 45 minutes and put a whole lot of stuff up. Uh, some, some stuff I put up straight from the camera, which yeah. goes to kimelman.com and prostarpix.com. And then if I want, I can take those pictures on my phone um, from a Dropbox and then post on Instagram. So I can do that all while I'm standing out in the paddock. Uh, but then when I put the majority of those photos up back in the media center, once I've done that, I head out and I do FP1 for an hour and a half, then I come straight back and edit. That's about an hour of editing, and I'll um, go out and do 10, 15 minutes in the paddock, and then I'll go out and do the next session, come straight back after the hour and a half FP2, edit, get out again in the paddock and see what's going on, edit again, and then go home and have a sleep. (laughs) Or back to the hotel. Yeah. Another question from Instagram. And just a note, if anyone wants to have your questions asked on the podcast, just drop it onto the Instagram and your favorite photo and ask a question and we'll pick them up. Ben asked, how do you get drivers to look at your camera? You do seem to have a lot of uh, shots of the personality and the drivers around and they always seem to be engaging you. Well, no, not always. (laughs) Sometimes, and you always feel lucky when they do look your way, but there's a couple of guys who I uh, know pretty well and they will, like someone, Pierre will often look at me, Um, Charles sometimes, Daniel often. Uh, The rest of the drivers, it's pretty much luck, although it's important that if I'm out shooting, say, uh, an arranged event, say, for Renault, Mm. I know the Renault shooters. So if I go and stand next to them, they're pretty close to looking at me because I'm standing right next to the Renault shooters. So uh, that's one little trick. But otherwise, it's pretty much just luck of the draw. It also works, too, if you say, hi, Daniel, and it's very hard for someone not to look at you when you say hello, and they'll often look and say hi. So that's another little trick. Now, I believe Michael Schumacher's wife was there. What was that like? And Mick's uh, mum, because uh, Michael's and Corinna's son, Mick, races in F2. Mm. Uh, yeah, I didn't know who she was, and people were taking photos, so once again I shoot and ask questions later, and I shot her as she went up and had a chat with the guys up in uh, Ferrari. But on the Sunday, she met with uh, Louis Camilleri, who runs Ferrari internationally, and I'd never met that gentleman either, and then later on in the... Uh, Day, obviously, I caught my flight and I was sitting near him on the plane and I got chatting and showed him the photo. It was always nice because uh, a lot of this stuff that goes on in F1 is networking and it doesn't hurt to be known to the people who uh, are mixed up in these teams. Hmm. 
So you had to quickly, how quickly was it dashing from the event to your plane after? Oh, I had to leave at exactly eight o'clock, so I really only had time to shoot Park Ferme. I didn't get a chance to shoot the podium and the champagne. I had to go and pack all my stuff quickly, uh, take my suitcase and all my photo gear out to the car park, meet my driver who'd been waiting for three hours because they block all the roads into the track at about oh. six o'clock. So he got there at five, waited three hours for me, <laughs> and then we had terrible traffic out to the airport. But in the end, I got there and uh, there were no dramas. Last week we were talking about how as a dusk race the sparks are so much better to photograph during this race in Bahrain. Did you get any great ones this time? I'd love to say yes. I'd love to say <laughs> I got a shot of Carlos Sainz, I think it was, in his McLaren uh, after maybe the first corner where it's just lit up the whole straight. It looked amazing. Mm. I didn't get it. I was on the wrong corner. And in fact, I'm not sure I've seen anyone with that particular photo, but if you got that pic, that was amazing because it just looked like uh, an explosion. But ran for four or five seconds. So coming up next week, we'll be talking about China, which mm -hmm. is the 1,000th F1 race, which is pretty exciting. You, are there going to be a lot of festivities? Do you, do you foresee a lot of festivities? Well, you just don't see that many spectators at the race, unfortunately. It's, okay. it's unfortunate for them it wasn't in Europe because if that was somewhere like Italy, my gosh, that would be crazy. But you know, really, what is it? It's a number. It's got three zeros on the end of it. But yeah, it's the first time they've had... Uh, a race with three zeros on the end of it so they'll make a lot of it on social media and there'll be a few things for the tv cameras i guess and um photographers like us but really i don't think it does much to increase sales at the event and uh, see so there's one and we'll probably talk about this next week there's one grandstand in china where they just can't sell so they have at to all. put no it's down the far end of the track so instead of leaving a few hundred people in a 10,000 seat stand they put some signage over the top of it and just render it useless <laughs> well fair enough we'll we'll discuss more about China next week as as we do the pre-race there but mm -hmm. this has been the post-race for Bahrain to see any of the photos we've talked about today you can head over to ProStarPics.com or KimIlman.com you can also stay updated by following Kim on Instagram at KimIlman and remember if you do have any questions you can pop them on Instagram on comment on any of the photos you like and we'll pick them up if you like what you heard today, please give us a review and remember to hit subscribe to stay posted for our next episode. Thank you very much for listening and we'll see you on and off the track. F1 on and off the track was presented by ProStarPix.com. Stunning F1 photos live from the track, searchable and downloadable for personal or editorial use. ProStarPix.com. Head there now. <laughs>